This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What is up, Packers fans, and welcome back to the Quick Slants Podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I am your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. You can find Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. I also do the Thursday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Get over there and check that out as well. Good to be back. And it's the post-draft era, the Jordan Love era, whatever you want to call it. The new era in Green Bay begins. We know who the rookie class will be. And I wanted to spend some time talking through it. I'm not going to go through every single pick today. Obviously, as you know, I'm not a draft Nick, not any kind of guru. So I'm not going to sit here and give you a bunch of stats and numbers. I just want to talk about the essence of the draft and share some observations and it's been a minute since I've been back so I appreciate everybody so get your coffee settle in and let's do this thing here so the last since the last time I did a show Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets and the Packers drafted 13 players this past weekend it was incredible they came in with a lot of picks and you expected some movement Brian Gutekunst the GM for the Packers has moved around a lot in the past He's moved up, he's moved back, all kinds of different things. So you figured, okay, they're not going to draft 13 guys. Well, they did. And interestingly enough, they came in with a boatload of picks on day three and made every single one. It was a monumental draft. Clearly, the Packers want to add a bunch of young talent and start building the future of this team. And that is exactly what they did. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Rodgers trade or Aaron Rodgers a bunch. I think we've Waited long enough for that whole thing to be over with. There's been a bunch that's already been talked about. I've taken quite a hiatus since the season ended. So not going to really go over that whole thing. I'll just say I'm glad the trade got done. I'm glad he was traded. I'm glad the Packers got some good capital for it. I think they made out very well in the deal. Well, let's talk about this team moving forward with Jordan Love and what they're going to be. I just want to give some props to all of those out there who did draft prep, showed us film, tape, draft guides, all that kind of stuff. They all do fantastic work. Something I couldn't do, and I greatly appreciate it because I needed it. I relied on it. I looked at it. I used it. So I want to thank and acknowledge all those people. Obviously, there's way too many to name on here, but here's some thoughts. So let's start with the obvious. Day one, the Packers have the 13th overall pick, and as usual, in every year leading up to the draft, there's the same 10 to 15 names that get thrown around that are most likely to be Green Bay Packers draft picks, right? And you've got enough data about Gutekunst now over the past five, six years in the drafts here to know what he's going to take, what he likes, what he doesn't like. He's drafted defense in all but one season. But was this the year, now that Aaron Rodgers is gone and Jordan Love's going to take over, was this the year that they finally go offense in round one again, do they take a wide receiver for the first time since 2002? Now that we've had three days to digest it, the, the pick ended up being edge rusher Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. And some were surprised. Oh my gosh, they didn't take Jackson Smith and Jigba with their first pick. Like they're, they're, they're leaving Jordan Love hanging out to dry. They're leaving him on an island, right? But it's not really surprising that Van Ness was the pick. When you look at it and you you step back from the just, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, the disappointment, the shock, the, the unexpectedness of it. Van Ness is a very athletic player. He meets all the top tier metrics at a premium position, edge rusher. That's what Brian Gutekunst does. He's going to take a premium position and he's going to spend his high picks on that because that's what you need to build 
a solid team. And if you need a player to come in and play on day one, that's not the time to reach. And the Packers absolutely need help at edge. And they need it now. And it's not just in 2023, but beyond. Preston Smith is getting older. And Rashawn Gary is injured. So they need somebody that can get after the passer. So I'll just say this. Van Ness wasn't my first choice. But again, I've, I've settled into it over the past couple days. I mean, he wasn't even my fifth choice. You know, but again, we, you know, we start, we hear these names and, and we get disappointed. Oh, they didn't take this guy, that guy. Then we go online, we start researching and we come to find out that, hey, this player could turn out to be a pretty solid Green Bay Packer. So again, months worth of data being thrown at us and, and then it, it doesn't happen. Maybe some are still disappointed. I think what happens a lot of times with these draft picks and with teams is that we already had a thought in our head and then we let everything that happens around it that's either negative or positive reinforce that thought that's already there, right? So I guess I'm more of a let's wait and see. We've been through this before. We've seen teams bounce back very quickly. Look how quickly the Eagles became contenders and appeared in a Super Bowl after adding Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Not a first-round quarterback. Plenty of questions about whether or not he was going to be good. And they were in a Super Bowl last year. So let's just, you know, let's just check it out and, and see what happens. Again, new era. Jordan loves the quarterback. And I know that there was talks about the Packers rebuilding. I'm going to talk more about that later. So they were ripe to finally stray from some past tendencies. But that's just not what this GM does. So he's going to do what's going to help this team for the next three to five years. And again, he values certain positions early in the draft. And, and we've seen enough evidence that... Shame on us if we didn't understand that or see that that was going to be the case. So let's get back to Van Ness or LVN, as I'm sure he's likely to be known by. I think we were, you know, we wanted the JSN. It's the LVN. And he played at Iowa. Ted Thompson drafted a bunch of Iowa guys when he was GM. And Goody carries on the tradition here. It's another Iowa player in the first round. He brings a lot of energy, brings a lot of power. We saw the clips of him trucking over Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, guys who were picked ahead of him in the first round of this draft, offensive linemen. So clearly he can play against top-tier competition. I remember seeing similar clips of Rashawn Gary four years ago when he was the pick, to the surprise of many at the time, including myself and everybody I was watching the draft. I remember was watching the draft with Jacob Westendorf, former overlord here at Game On Wisconsin, and it was just a stunned silence when they picked Gary. But that turned out pretty well. And, you know, back then, as far as the, the context here, back then in 2019, the Packers had also just signed Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith in free agency. So Gary came in as the third guy. Right now, Lucas Van Ness is, is a guy that's looking like he, he's going to have to play it right away on day one. You know, all this talk about, well, can he start? Because he didn't start at Iowa. Listen, starting, this whole starting thing, who cares? It doesn't matter. Does it really matter if a player is out there for the first snap of the game or the opening tip-off in a basketball game or on the field when the first pitch is thrown in a baseball game? Or do you want a player who's going to give you production during the game regardless? I don't care who's out there for the first snap. That doesn't really mean anything. It really doesn't. It could be a matchup thing, right? And at Iowa, Van Ness didn't start, but he played starter snaps. So I just want to debunk that whole thing right there. That doesn't mean anything to me at all. And But getting back to, the, to, to Gary in 2019, he was clearly going to rotate in. We didn't see, we didn't see a ton of, ton of him in 2019. We didn't get an idea of what he could become. It took a while. 
he turned out to be pretty good, okay? Again, I mentioned Gary out with the ACL. We don't know how much time he's going to miss. There is no Zadarius Smith, thankfully, <laughs> in Green Bay anymore. Probably not going to be in Minnesota much longer either, by the way. And that leaves, so that leaves Preston Smith, Kingsley Anikbare, and Justin Hollins at pass rush. That ain't going to get it done. So Van Ness is going to play right away. And Brian Gutekunst knows that. He expects him to play right away and contribute right away. It's part of his decision to draft him. I think there's plenty to be encouraged by in, in, his, in his game. But again, pads haven't come on yet. You don't know what guy's going to be at the NFL level. He's certainly in great shape. His nickname is Hercules. I, I can get down with that. Dude's got a six-pack. You know, the ladies love the pick. The Packers will obviously give him every opportunity to develop and contribute as a first-rounder. And I don't mean just this year. I mean, he's going to get years' worth of opportunities to play. And they're going to move him around. He's rushed from the inside a fair amount. Rushed from the outside. Think what Zadarius Smith was doing for the Packers when he was playing. And, and think more... 2020 moving around and you could have him on the field with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary when Rashawn Gary does come back and he's busting his ass to get back you're going to have him Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness on the field at the same time I don't think you hate that you want to throw in then you throw in Kenny Clark hopefully a, a year wiser Devontae Wyatt or one of those defensive linemen that they drafted we'll talk about in a minute Packers front could be pretty formidable sooner than later. So they've got options. They've got a lot of options. I think that Van Ness, I, I'm encouraged. I think he he could turn out to be a good player. And again, you assume the Packers did their due diligence on Van Ness as a, as a person, his mentality, his intelligence about football. Packers seem to hit in that area more than they don't. So we shall see. But I've come to, to, to like the pick. And I, I have to hope it works out. Whether I like it or don't like it, I am a Packers fan. I have to hope it works out. After round one, day two and day three, it was the offensive laser light show. You get tight end Luke Musgrave in the second round. And then the vaunted, or I should say not the vaunted, the dreaded third rounder, another tight end, Tucker Kraft, joins joins the, the fray. And I should also mention Jaden Reed is a second round wide receiver. Dontavian Wicks. Added as a receiver, Grant DuBose in the seventh round at receiver. So five pass catchers are added in this draft. So looking at the tight ends here, Musgrave's going to be your pass catcher. I'm not going to sit here and say compare him to Robert Tunyon, but that's the role that he's going to fill. He's your pass catcher. And then Kraft is your inline guy. So with Kraft, think Mercedes Lewis, although let's be honest, you're not going to just replace the great dirty work that Lewis did for five seasons. He was great at what he did, but... Here's Brian Gutekunst saying, hey, these two players are not here anymore. We need tight ends and we need these guys to fill these roles in this offense. What This is what Matt LaFleur wants to do. We need guys who can play. Here's a premium asset. Go do the thing. And I can't resist reminding everyone, obviously, this is a third rounder. Kraft is already treaching uphill to become a successful player. But at some point, one of these guys has to hit for Goody. And listen, Josiah DeGuara might still end up being a good third rounder. We'll see. Now that Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback anymore, and Josiah DeGuara is apparently out of this doghouse. Jordan Love may find him and, and turn him into a great player. And there you go. The curse may have been broken three years ago, and we just didn't know it. And uh, just a quick note, I'll be breaking down these two tight ends on this Thursday's edition of the Packaday Podcast with Mark Eccles, so I'm looking forward to that. Get over and check that out later this week. Get back to Jaden Reed, because I did not mean to skip over him at all. Jaden Reed was taken over crowd favorite Jalen Hyatt. Again, another name that was thrown at us, wide receiver. Hey, we love this 
this receiver. The Packers like this guy, but they opt for Reed instead. And just another reminder, as much as we love those draft simulators and mock drafts and draft guides, there's only one guy who makes the pick, and it ain't you and me. So Reed is your Randall Cobb gadget slot guy. He he said, get ready for a lot of house calls. I love that moxie. We'll see. We had a lot of high hope for Amari Rodgers. We know how that went, although he was a third-round pick. We had to talk about the whole third-round thing. So I'm excited to see what Reed can do. I the Packer, Again, the Packers, a lot of research, a lot of looking into what these players are going to be asked to do and what they need to do. Don't forget special teams as well. Could we see them doing some return work? You just We just don't know, right? Wicks and Dubose were day three picks as receivers. We'll see how they do. I think Wicks is going to get a good opportunity to play both at receiver and on special teams. He's got decent size, really good body control. He's athletic. He's you know he's gets up at the point of of um, of the ball. He's got great ball skills there. So we'll see. And again, how much does special teams play into these day three picks? I guess we'll find out. Dubose got some really nice reviews. Sounded like. This is a really high character guy. Packers fans are going to fall in love with them, but seventh rounders are anything but a guarantee to be on a team come opening day. So we'll we'll find out. Again, just you know, more more fun discourse amongst Packers fans as far as who they're going to keep and who they're not going to keep and and what's going to happen here. Don't forget the practice squad is a real thing. You know, there's a lot of receivers. They added a bunch of pass catchers, and you already have Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs and Samari Toure and Bo Melton, right? So this receiver room could get very crowded and they're not all going to be on this roster. So whichever guys you think are the best of the bunch, the Packers will make that choice. I think the thing that had me most intrigued about these, about all of them is that Jordan Love is going to run the offense and throw to who's open. This isn't going to be a who's my buddy. Rodgers clearly had preferences as to where he wanted to go with the ball, and we saw some missed opportunities over the past few years. I think there's, again, there's not a lot of experience out there, but there's something to be said about a young, fresh set of eyes who's willing to throw the ball around the field and just hit the open guy. DeGuara is the senior guy in the pass-catching room right now. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, going and Toure going into year two. And then you've got the rookies. Haven't played a single snap. But there's a lot of talent to work with. We might now get to see more of the Matt LaFleur offense as he may prefer to run it with Love at the helm. So I like what they did there. They added some they added some stuff on offense that they needed. Didn't take an offensive lineman for the first time ever under Brian Gutekunst, but that is a huge, huge crowded room as well. They've got a lot of talent there. Goody said, look, let's add guys who can potentially help us in areas where we need it the most, right? Now the Packers didn't neglect defense. They did add some more guys on defense after Van Ness, they added defensive lineman Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, cornerback Carrington Valentine, safety Anthony Johnson Jr. I think I heard the most about Brooks and about Johnson after that pick was made. Uh, those two picks were made on day three. So Brooks from Bowling Green described as an absolute dog. Had 30 and a half tackles for loss in the last two seasons. He had 69 pressures in 2022, nearly 70 pressures. That is insane. Absolutely insane. And say what you want about the level of competition, but that's still making plays. In any, at any level of football, that's still a player who's making plays. He says he's ones that he wants to strike first. He wants to live in the backfield. No shortage of effort there. Wouldn't. Played in the SECs. Played in some big games. Played against the best in college football. 
Again, another guy who sounds smart. Johnson saw a lot that were shocked that he was there in the seventh round. Tons of heart. Corner converted to safety. Not afraid to stick his nose in there and run support. Played a fair amount of special teams. Makes sense. That's a prototypical value round seven type pick. And listen, this is a guy, a lot of people are going to be watching him because he could find himself carving out a role as the nickel safety alongside Rudy Ford, whoever else is back there. You know, at the safety position, he's, he's coming into a really good situation where he might get a chance to play more than he normally would because with Eric Stokes still recovering from an injury, any ideas about moving Russell Douglas to safety is probably on hold. They moved Darnell Savage into the slot, but they may have to stick with him back there again, just out of necessity if, if these young guys aren't ready. You know, at the very best case scenario, I think Johnson balls the hell out and ends up as a starting safety back there, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, too. If he proves he can play and he can play right away, like, holy cow, did the Packers score with a young player that shouldn't be starting for you but did. And that's that's where you get your team back on track is when you overachieve in those later rounds, and the Packers have done it before. Think Zach Tom. They, they probably found a starting tackle in a mid-round again. That's where they found David Bakhtiari 10 years ago. Those are the kind of things that help your team get back into the contention to win championships. And at safety, the Packers could still bring Adrian Amos back. Who could said that door is still open. So they've got some options back, right? And I'm not saying Amos would be a savior. You know, he's, he's not ideal because he's getting up there in age. And I think the Packers want to get younger and more athletic back there. But you could do a lot worse than Adrian Amos if you had to for one year where the expectations might not be through the roof, right? I heard the word dogs quite a few times. I've mentioned it. And Matt LaFleur said it too. And it seems like the Packers want to add some more attitude to this roster. Bit of a culture shift, maybe, in Green Bay. And I'm not sure why you wait till your Hall of Fame quarterback is gone to add that to your team, especially on defense. But for what it's worth... I'm not going to complain if that's indeed the approach. I mean, I've been calling for more dogs and pure football players for years. Anybody who knows me knows I've said it. And to be fair, Gary, Stokes, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, all fit that mold. All fit that mold. I can understand the analytics and wanting to make a good investment. And sometimes it simply is like, you know, it's, it's like, hey, the athleticism, the fit in the defense, like smart player, heady player. But sometimes it... It doesn't need to be so complicated. It can be as simple as, can this guy play football? Sounds like the Packers got some incredible value on day three. They got some guys who are just players. And look, if if the Packers truly are a team that's not going to have any expectations and, the, and all the national media and everybody's going to say, well, this you know they're bottom feeders. They're, they're not going to be very good this year. No, well, some, some players thrive on that. Maybe this team comes out and has that underdog mentality. We're not used to being there as Packers fans and the Packers aren't used to being there as a team, but maybe that's something that kick that that gives them injects a little bit of life into their game and they win a couple games that they shouldn't because they're they're trying to overachieve and they're just playing loose and and not overthinking it and just playing football, which would be refreshing, honestly, for a change. There were two day three picks. Um I do have to mention this cuz this was this was a classic Packers uh, I guess Twitter, because that's what I'm on. Two day three picks that that incited the ire of Packers fans, and I'm sure a lot of you already know who the two of them them were that I want to talk about a little bit here. 
uh, quarterback Sean Clifford and kickers Anders Carlson. You know, why did they take that guy in that spot? Why are they drafting a quarterback? All that kind of stuff, right? Again, listen, I'm not a draft expert, uh, but anything on day three does not need to take up any real estate in our minds and in our hearts. Honest to God. These are hope and dreams picks, as I call them, right? You still try to pick a good player. I'm not saying, oh, whatever, pick whatever, but you kind of is. Anything after round four, you don't expect those to be starters. If you're drafting somebody in five, six, seven, and hoping they can come in and start, your team is already in trouble or they're about to be in trouble. Clifford is not coming in to compete for a starting spot. He's not going to have Jordan Love looking over his shoulder, stressing him out, trying to get ready to take over this team and follow in the footsteps of a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, he's he's not going to... And listen, Clifford's also not going to surprise anybody and all of a sudden become a contender to start. You know, he's a clear and obvious backup, depth piece, There was a bit of run on quarterbacks at that time. The Packers clearly liked him, whether you and I did or not. They made the pick. No one knows that he could have been an undrafted free agent. You don't know that. NFL GMs do weird stuff, and and on, on especially on day three, and the Packers protected their board. They secured the player they wanted. They wanted him, so they used a pick on him. That's what they did. What did the 49ers do in the third round? They wanted, obviously, clearly they wanted a specific kicker. They drafted that guy in the third round, right? We'll talk about that more in a minute. The Packers can still potentially bring in a veteran quarterback if they want to. This does not slam any door shut on what they do. But I think above all else with Clifford, we're talking about a backup quarterback. And the Packers and everyone else on earth hopes that this guy never plays a snap. I mean, if if Love has to miss time, things are going to be bad anyway. So why are we gnashing teeth here? They picked a young quarterback. Let's see what he can become. He's a smart kid. Going to help with the game prep throughout the week. Scott Tolzien did a good job with that. Matt Flynn did a good job with that. With Aaron Rodgers. Plenty of other smart backup quarterbacks in Green Bay, whose role was not at all to play, right? So moving on. Anders Carlson, kicker. The questions here, I can understand a little bit more. He's the first kicker that the Packers have drafted since Mason Crosby in 2007. And Brian Gutekunst said he would never close the door on Crosby returning, but until he's back, he's not. So... It is Carlson, and his scouting report from last season is not flattering at all. He didn't do much. Tore his ACL on his non-kicking leg in 2021, had to recover from that. Last year, he fractured his elbow trying to make a tackle. His brother Daniel is a kicker for the Raiders. You may remember his brief stint with the Vikings. He was that kicker in the 2018 god-awful tie at Lambeau Field. Uh, Shunned away from Minnesota and has turned it around. In Vegas with the Raiders, he credits Rich Bisaccia for helping turn his career around. And I think, you know, Rich probably has some familiar with his brother Anders too. So maybe he he signed off on it. Maybe he said, hey, I want this guy. This is our kicker. I think the Packers likely believe in Bisaccia's ability to get more out of his players. And so that's your guy. The thing that stood out to me was the very average field goal percentage throughout his college career and the low touchback rate. 
You know, because Mason Crosby has lost a lot of power in his leg. So if you're not going to at least bring in a leg that can get the ball out of the end zone, why add one that also can't make a lot of kicks? I mean, at, at that point, if that's the case, you might as well just convince Crosby to come back. He's still accurate. He set a Lambeau field record with a 56-yarder last year in January in the cold, despite having lost a lot of that power in his leg. So maybe that's Green Bay's plan. And if Carlson struggles in camp, they cut bait, bring Crosby back, and try to find their kicker next year. That's something you can literally do year after year with that position with kicker. I know it's important. These are points on the board. You're talking about Green Bay's career points leader in Mason Crosby. He's no slouch at all. But if you're looking for a kicker, this isn't this isn't like trying to find the second coming of Aaron Donald or Joey Bosa. And they do have Parker White. He uh, is another kicker, too. He was signed in January. He's got a big leg, but he's never kicked in the NFL. So he's no guarantee to add any real competition if it does end up being him and Carlson. And this year in the draft, too, there were only two top-notch kickers, and they were both gone by the fourth round. I mentioned the Niners using a third-round pick on Jake Moody, who went to the 49ers in the third round. And the Packers clearly had other needs, so I don't blame them for not tossing a premium pick at that spot. You know, they they have options. This isn't, you know, like I said, this this isn't anything we need to lose sleep over until Mason Crosby signs with another team and he's out of the mix. So I think we're going to be okay here with these two, we'll call them befuddling picks according to the masses with the Packers. So the draft overall... Seems to be pretty well received. The Packers got a lot of high grades. There's always talk about winning the draft afterwards. I've never really subscribed to that and and spending time on it. Games aren't played in April or May, but people love to do it. Who won the draft? Who didn't? You know, if you'll ask Bears and Vikings fans, they'll tell you that they did. Although the Vikings, I don't think the Vikings had a very good draft at all. They didn't draft a lot of very good athletic players and they've lost a lot of talent. Uh, They look to be listening to trade offers for Dalvin Cook, Zadarius Smith. A lot of changes there. So this division, I mean, Detroit, they made some interesting picks over the weekend too, and they're dealing with some issues with the whole betting thing. So they might be affected by that. I mean, this division could still be very up for grabs and very possible for a Packers team that many, again, are still saying aren't going to be as good this year and aren't going to win as many games. We'll see, you know. We have over 100 years worth of data that tells us that we just don't know what players are going to be. And I think a lot of times the information that we have on on players and all those grades and things like that can actually be a disservice to us as fans and the player because they set these expectations that aren't really related to anything on the field. They're not related to anything within the framework of the offense or defense the player is going to be in. We live in this instant reaction. I need it now world. We use the word bust way too soon. These athletes are young. They're still growing physically and mentally at age 21 through 24. And you're talking about the most physical sport in the world, like football. You got to give it two to three years. You have to have a mindset that it's going to be that instead of by October. That's just not realistic. For every Clay Matthews, there's a lot more Rashawn Gary's. Players that got there but didn't do it right away. That took them time. And again, Brian Gutekunst understands that and he's not afraid to say... This might not be this year, but it's not just about this year. It's the age-old question of, do you want one solid team in 10 years and nine years of futility versus 
eight or nine out of 10 years of being competitive, making the playoffs and having a chance every year. I want that bite of the apple every single year because I've seen my own team sneak into the playoffs and crash their way through to a championship. So it's always going to be possible because I've seen it happen as long ago as that was. One more thing before I close it out, and that is this whole idea of the Packers rebuilding. I mentioned it before. We heard David Bakhtiari say it in an interview. Whether you like it or not or know it or not, the Packers are rebuilding. Okay, well, we've heard a lot of other media say it too. But a rebuild does not have to mean that this team is just punting on the next few seasons and they don't really care if they win. They do care. Jobs are still on the line. Coaches can't just say it's okay if none of these players pan out or improve. We're not trying to win this season. I'm good. No, you're not. And the GM just made an investment and has turned these guys over to the staff to develop. So the GM's job is on the line. Brian Gutekinds can't just say, I'll just take whoever in the draft. We just lost Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's going to understand if we suck for the next two years. No one will understand sucking for two years. And that's also not what the Packers mentality is either. They're trying to and will try to win games this season. But they can also be realistic and understand, hey, we're not on par anymore with the Eagles and the 49ers like we were last year. But they can also hope to improve on 2022, which ended up being very disappointing despite all those expectations and despite having a Hall of Fame quarterback who could make up for some of the shortcomings and still help the team win double-digit games. They didn't. And it's okay if you want to be one that expects the Packers to win this season and, and be disappointed if they don't. It's also okay to not be disappointed if they lose 12 games and you can sit there and say you knew it would happen. It's cool. I've seen several, I don't think you all understand how bad the Packers are going to be this season takes. And look, it's okay if you need to set your mind to that now so you can mentally survive September through January if they do end up being bad. But just know that not everyone agrees with you and they're not wrong for disagreeing with you and they're not stupid for expecting more. That's what being a fan is. It's hoping your team wins against all odds. And we all have different things in our lives that guide our feelings and our passion and our desire for our teams to do what they do. You know, don't judge. Everybody's got their own battles that they're fighting and sports provides a lot of things for people in their life. Whether it's healthy, unhealthy, or you agree with it or disagree with it. It's a time of change in Green Bay and things are going to be, you know, There's going to be a lot of wide-ranging sentiments about that change. Just don't be an asshole to others who don't see it how you do. You know, the the organization hasn't suddenly changed their approach and their attitude after 30 years just because they sent an iconic player away. You know, they're still very much a proud team that's trying to get back in the mix as soon as they can. They may realize, hey, it's going to be tough in 2023 to do that. It's just, that's just life. That's just the way it is in sports now with free agency and teams moving around and and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen overnight. And some teams do it quicker than others and we're chasing that. We want to be that team that gets right back in the mix another two years later. Maybe not. Jordan Love may not end up being the guy that the Packers want at quarterback. They might have to retool and look for their quarterback of the future as soon as a year from now or two years from now. As of the time that you're listening to this podcast, we may already have heard that the Packers picked up the fifth-year option on Love, which I very much expect them to do and think that they should. You need to protect that investment. You need to 
you need to show Jordan Love you believe in him long-term, even if that is only for two more years. And financially, the 20-something million dollar price for next year is a lot better than letting him walk away this year and deciding, hey, we do want him back, but now it's going to be 35 million or even 40, maybe, million dollars per season. So, you know, if it's not going to be 2023 that they're back in that mix, it can easily be 2024 and beyond. And when we're talking about a 30-year time period in the last that, that we've just gone through where the Packers have been competitive for the most part every single year, asking you to chill for one or two years really isn't that long. You know, I get it. Life is short. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. All that stuff. Sports, you know, do it now, 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 now. I get all that stuff. But, you know, we're going to need to be a little bit patient because it's, it's a new time. It's a new era in Green Bay. So... Just wanted to break some of those thoughts down with everybody on the draft. Uh, there'll be more Quick Slants podcasts once we get into actual Packers football, when they do some mini camps, rookie orientation, all that kind of stuff. We have some more information. I'll come back. I'll do another show. Thanks for following along. I appreciate it. Uh, good to be back for a minute here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Perone. You can follow Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. Hope everybody enjoyed the draft. On to real Packers football. Past the trade, it's all about 2023 and what this team can be. And let's find out what they're going to be. So everyone enjoy your week. Hope it's off to a great start. Everyone take care of yourself. And as always, go Pack Go. Off play action, back to the throw. Prescott with time. Rifles it over the middle through the hands of Cooper. Intercepted. Jair Alexander to the 20. Cutting left, 25-30. He's got an escort to the 35-40. Hurdles a defender plus the 50. And into Dallas territory.